What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Brad from the band Locket over Zoom video. Brad was born and raised just outside Toronto, and he talks about how he got into music. His dad uh, can play piano and guitar. So at four years old, Brad started to take piano lessons and then uh, quickly discovered that his friends were playing guitar, or years later, I should say. Not too many years later, but when he figured out that his friends were doing guitar and guitar was the cooler instrument at the time, Brad would go home and learn how to play guitar. Brad talked about the first few bands that he played in. Uh, he talked about the first band, the first performance they ever did. They did a cover of Adam's Song by Blink-182 at a talent show. We also hear about how Safe to Say started, what that was like getting signed to a record label and doing big tours and doing the Warp Tour. Uh, the band eventually went on a hiatus in 2017. And Brad talks about working with Chris during that time period. And that's when they really formed Locket. We hear about them releasing the first few records from Locket and all about this new album, which is called Superluminal and how it's been a work in progress really since before the pandemic. Brad said there's demos from some of the songs on the new album on his old laptop from January 2020. So we dive real deep into the process and how this new record really came together. You can watch the interview with Brad on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bring It Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you rate and review the podcast there as well. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Locket. I'm Adam, and it's really nice to meet you. And this is a podcast about you and uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about uh, the new album and everything. Cool. Yeah, that works. Sweet. Um, so are you born and raised in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. We're just outside, like by half an hour or so. Okay. That's where you grew up and everything? Yep. Yep. What was that like? Cold? Uh, cold. <laughs> colder when we were younger. Um. I don't know. I feel like Toronto is so close to the States that it's probably pretty similar to, to New York or something, just less people. Sure. Um, and it's a big music city. And it's a yeah, huge music city. Yeah. So growing up, would you go, uh, I mean, were you fairly close to the city and would you go check out bands there and everything? Yeah. When I, I think when I was 14, there was like a local scene in our town that was like 30 minutes out. Um, and all the like pockets around Toronto in the greater Toronto area all had like their little, either hardcore or punk or emo scene. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, when you're 14, you're just stoked to go <laughs> listen to music. doesn't really matter what it is. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I guess I could speak for probably the whole band. That's probably how all of us got into to music, even though like our guitarist lives five hours away. It was the same thing for him. Uh, our drummer was born and raised like 10 hours away from Toronto. And it was the same thing for him. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if that's uh if that's normal in the states to just have all these little pockets of you know music scenes everywhere but yeah it is I mean at least I, I I don't know I'm old now so when I was growing up it was that was kind of it I grew up in San Diego and there was a music scene there and then yeah, you go up to Orange County or LA or whatever and there was all these little pockets of 
you know, bands that were all yeah. kind of similar genres at the time, you know, punk, emo, that, that whole scene. Yeah. Um, but now I don't know. I, th- there really isn't a whole lot of venues. I, I moved to Nashville and there's more all age venues here, but yeah, for sure. uh, in San Diego there, once they kind of uh, dump more of those independent ones and it's like house of blues or, you yeah. know, these bigger places that if you're not drawing, you right. know, a thousand people, then it's hard to, I think <laughs> I think a local it, gig for at least the shows that we were going to, I guess we're primarily hardcore shows. So it wasn't necessarily something being held in like a venue. Quote sure. unquote. Yeah. yeah. Like a um, DIY type it'd thing. Be a DIY space uh, or a basement or like, you know, someone's apartment downtown or like, you know, the back of an auto, an auto garage or something like that. Um, yeah. But there was shit happening all the time. That's cool. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had stuff like there's a few clubs that would hold maybe 150 people. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where a lot of the bands would go. Some teen centers and stuff that would have shows. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess rarely would or at least I wasn't going to the as many of like the house house concerts. I mean, there were, I guess, in high school and stuff. But yeah, there was actually like legit places that you could play like a teen center that had like two, you know, 200 cap or yeah, that's uh, and they'd get a big, big ish band coming through. I mean, like, I remember Atari's used to come through all the time and like before they really got big with like MTV and everything. Um, and you could see them and then you'd have like four local openers and yeah, yeah. it was a cool thing. I don't, but I don't really see that much there any longer. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's always been this way. I'm just older now, so I'm kind of more like privy to how things work. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it seems like now certain venues are really dominated by like a booking agent or like a a promotion company or whatever you want to call it. Um, whereas I feel like things at least seemed like they were kind of shared amongst you know whoever was putting on the hardcore stuff, whoever was putting on the pop punk stuff. Uh, now it's very much like this venue does this music only. This venue, right? fuck with this crap like it's it's kind of weird um so there's some places i used to spend like every weekend you know when i was in college that now i probably haven't stepped foot in in like i don't know how many years just because the shows that i like going to aren't happening there anymore right yeah it is interesting how that kind of took over because I, I i i could totally see that as well i mean even growing up in the scene i was in like there was like one person who would book and if you just showed up and said here's my demo and uh, we let me play something there. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like yeah, throw yeah. you on something. Or if you knew someone that was playing that like, you could kind of get tossed around, I would see that a lot. Um, but as far as like music, do you come from like a creative household, a musical household, like your parents play um, or know how to play? I wouldn't say musical in the sense that they're like musicians. <laughs> right. I feel like most people have like a guitar sitting around in the house or a piano sitting around in the house, which is, mm-hmm kind of my environment growing up um yeah my dad when i was really young i saw him as like a piano player guitar player and then by the time i was like 12 i think i was out playing him um okay so i think it was more like campfire <laughs> you know sure which, which nothing wrong with that um but definitely musical in the sense that like there was never like a silent moment probably in the house like i had a stay-at-home mom for mm-hmm. most of my life so there was you know, always music being played while, whether she was cleaning or like helping us get lunches together for school. Um, there's just always shit going on. Something happening. That's yeah. cool. Uh, you said, but you had a piano in the house and guitar because your dad yeah. could play those instruments. And yeah. were you put in like lessons or anything or were you? Yeah, uh, I was, uh, 
I was put in piano lessons when I was like four years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Super young. Um, which now I'm like, you know, grateful for, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like nothing I do now would have manifested if I wasn't like almost forced into piano lessons at four years old. Yeah. Um, and I went through that thing where like, you know, you're a little kid, so you, you love anything that's presented to you for the most part. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I discovered the guitar and the piano was not cool anymore. And you know, now as like a 31 year old, I've like come full circle. I'm like, ah, fucking, Back I love on the piano. piano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love playing the piano. Yeah. That's cool. That, did, so you kept with the piano up until you learned guitar or was it just something that you, and now you know how to play obviously both of the instruments? Yeah. I, um, it's funny. I like how I mentioned the guitar kind of being around in the house. I, mm-hmm. we moved when I was like 10, just down the road. And then that guitar got like, you know, put in a case in storage somewhere. And I remember thinking one day, like, oh, like all my friends are learning guitar. <laughs> like, I'm, am I not cool? Cause I'm going to piano lessons after school, you know, every yeah. day and Wednesday. Um, so I would come home on my lunch break when I was like 12 years old, 13 years old in elementary school and just force myself to learn the music that was, you know, on TV, the music videos that were playing. I, Seven oh. Army was probably like the song at the time. Where I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. So then that, you kind of picked it up that way, at least guitar that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you said when my dad saw I had interest in it, I think he was kind of like very stoked. Like, oh, yeah, I can like introduce him to classic rock and all this stuff. Yeah, that's rad. Uh, you, you were talking about going to shows like around 14 or so. Did you yeah. start a band around that time or were you in a band? I think <laughs> I think the uh, the first like band, which I think we played a talent show in like grade seven. <laughs> Uh, we did a, an Adam song blink cover. If you want to call nice. that first band ever, that was, and I'm pretty sure I, I like worked a guitar solo. Well, I'll call a guitar solo. I don't know if you could actually call it that, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that was the first time I was like, Oh, this is like, you can play music with your friends and you don't have to be, you know, super talented. It's just like a fun thing to do. Um, so yeah, I, I played with a bunch of people in high school and then some of those guys ended up, you know, being in bands with me, but with what's now Locket. Um, so yeah, I, I think. I, oh, wow. So some of the same people played. played all the way through. Yeah. Not um, when we were going as safe to say um, mm-hmm. for a while, uh, our buddy was drumming with us and um, it's a friend of mine. He's still in a bunch of bands um, that are popping off and doing some cool stuff. But uh, we were in like a high school metalcore band <laughs> together growing up. <laughs> Uh, and then we kind of like did our own thing for a while. And then, uh, yeah, it was like 2014 safe to say needed a drummer. Cause you know, when everyone's coming up at that age, people are getting tour offers and it's like, Hey, I, I might jump ship to go <laughs> play with this band. Cause they want me to go to Europe. Uh, right. Yeah. Around. And it was like a, a cool little reunion for a few years to, to like, Oh shit. We're doing this again. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It, safe to say you was, you guys played for a while together. Right. I mean, before yeah. changing the name. Yeah. 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 Um, with that, I don't know if you mind talking a little bit about that band, yeah, but yeah, just, I'm sure. just curious, like, uh, when that band formed and then, I mean, obviously you got signed with that band and there's success there up in, and then there's like a hiatus and then this yeah. band like restarted, but, um, uh, was safe to say a band that you started while you were like in, in college or like, when did that band get I together? I was, man, time's such a blur. I think yeah. I'd be 19. Or 20. Oh, okay. So like just getting into college. Um, just realizing that maybe college is not for me. 
<laughs> oh, did you end up finishing college or going to? I university? switched. I was in university for two years, then I switched to college for a couple of years, uh, and just like wasn't interested. And around that time, too, you know, the band was getting signed, and two offers were coming in, and it was kind of like, I can go back to school if this is really what I want to pursue, or I can do this for a few years. Um, so I put it on hold, and I'm very grateful for that because life kind of guided me in a direction where I've got a, a career outside of the band, but a career still in music now, um, which is definitely what I'd rather be doing than journalism or something like that. <laughs> yeah. hundred um, percent. So you, the band was going and then you were talking about tour offers and, and getting signed and everything. Was that, uh, were you so starting out, were you guys just playing locally in Toronto? And then like, how does the, how do you start getting eyes on you guys as far as like labels and, yeah. and tour offers and stuff? Was it all kind of locally that, the buzz is getting um, out there. We were, I think we were playing like a show every single weekend, maybe like two or three shows every single weekend for a year. It felt wow. like um, mm-hmm. just around Ontario or in Quebec and Montreal and stuff like that. Um, but I think because of the bands that were either adjacent to us or playing shows with us, starting to start their ascend into I don't know, label world, international mm-hmm. tour world, like Seaway, like Pacific. Um, when Seaway asked us to do the split with them, which I think originally uh, when they did that split back in like 2012 or whenever that came out with us, mm-hmm. they were recommended not doing it with us. It was almost like, well, they're like, no one really knows this band. Like you should do it with this band from the States. I think Knuckle Puck was a band that they oh, were interesting. with. And they're like, no, nah, Knuckle Puck doesn't need the help of a, a split, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And we were playing shows at Seaway. Like they were probably with us every other weekend <laughs> on a show. Um, so they asked us if we wanted to to do a couple songs with that. And I think from there, that's if you want to call it a fan base or whatever, uh word spread, I think, through that more than anything else at the time. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, also like just putting stuff out on Bandcamp, um, the Tumblr world was like oh, yeah. A big help, huge. I think for that <laughs> at 2013 like RFC era of like emo crossover music um, that I think kind of spread the word beyond whatever we were doing locally. Okay. And then you guys obviously signed and then yep. continued on as a band for like what, five years or so after that? Yeah. Yeah. Up until 2017. Um, definitely not like touring as much as we could have. And not because of like a lack of uh, our team, like not doing what they could have been doing. But I think we were in a weird space where we were like <laughs> trying almost to push ourselves like too hard in a direction that maybe we didn't need to go musically where it, we didn't fit any sort of bill, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like too heavy to be on some of the pop punk stuff too pop punk to be on some of the post hardcore stuff too, like this weird in between. Um where we'd find ourselves on tour packages where we're always like the fucking weird, <laughs> the weird band. Oh, and, interesting. And we're the fans of the headline are kind of like, Oh, this is like, why are they here? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, like we, we do like, I don't know, direct support on like a, a hardcore weekend tour thing. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone's crossed arms being like, why the fuck are they playing? Like a love song battle? Like, why is this band here? Yeah. Versus that we'd, we'd play like a straight up pop punk show. Um, I guess playing like heavier alt rock stuff and people would be like, cool, I guess. But like, <laughs> yeah, I think from maybe a booking standpoint that like put us in a weird spot. Um, 
but we still got to do a bunch of cool stuff. Like we did warp tour, I guess mm-hmm. the second last year that was running. Um, Oh wow. You guys played the very last warp tour. The second to last. Oh, second to last, but that's still awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was sick. Um, and obviously, you know, you do warp tour, you meet like a million, people. a million people yeah. that we're still uh, close with, but, uh, yeah, I think just kind of reevaluating for those two years, like, okay, what do we actually like want to do? You know, what's important to us musically, what's going to maybe put us in a, a better spot to be playing with the people we want to be playing with or playing in front of. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Did that cause like for the band to kind of, were you all kind of in different spaces where, where the direction of the band is that what it kind of happened when the kind of the hiatus happened? Um, okay. I think we were just like, I don't know. It's, everyone has, I feel like in any band, an idea of, you could all talk about what you all want together as a group, but on a personal level, like you all want different things. Sure. More often than not. Um, and I think that was like having a few members butt heads for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was easier to just like pump the brakes and chill for a couple of years without like the added pressure of you need to have a record done at this time. You need to have uh, you know, touring plans set in motion for this time. It, it kind of gave us a little breathing room to be like, Oh, we can like, we can take five years <laughs> writing music if we want. Like there's really, yeah. there's really no uh, pressure to do any one thing, which is okay. nice. Yeah. And so once you guys, you know, had the hiatus or, kind of split up as a band and were you all still kind of playing together like how did you then form lock it and then put something out two years later yeah um three out of the four of us our base for at the time uh we parted ways with him and i don't think he's done anything musically since um but Corey, our guitarist and i spent like maybe 50 days out of <laughs> a summer together just writing music with no intention of like putting necessarily all of it out or having it be on a record versus an EP or sing. It was just kind of like, Hey, you want to make music, make it fun again. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the last release we did as safe to say is probably collectively the thing that we like, I don't want to say hate the most, but we were kind of forced into a situation where we had tour offers come in warp tour being one of them. And it was like, well, guys, I know you were not planning on putting out a, a full length for maybe a year, but if there's a time to do it, you're going to have like the warp tour audience, you know, their eyes are going to be on you. So you might want to put together like <laughs> 10 songs or more. So it was super rushed. Um, and listening back to it now, you're, I'm like, yeah, like we had to throw these songs together in a matter of like months, which is so not the way that we work. I feel like we're probably notorious for like taking way too long <laughs> with <laughs> music. Um, yeah. But I mean, that would be difficult, right? Cause they're, the Warp Tour has such a massive amount yeah, of people showing totally. up, and 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 you know, and that is a bill where it's pop punk and hard. I mean, it's so wide yeah, of yeah. Uh, of a spectrum of people showing up to it. Um, that makes sense to want to have something to be like, oh, you know, I just saw this band. Like, where's their merch little tent? I'm gonna go check yeah. out the record. Um, but yeah, I could see that being rough to be like, uh, okay, now it's like, let's crank out 10 songs or more, 15 songs just to have something. So when we go on the road, uh, people will know who we are. They could leave with something. There's maybe like one or two songs on there that listening now we're like, yeah, like those, those feel like something I'm, I'm still proud to have out there. There's other songs that we just like giggle, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we're hanging out now. Filler. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Okay. 
Um, and then, yeah, so then the hiatus happens and then the, you got, you and Corey, it sounds like we're writing songs that with no intention of, okay, this yeah. is going to be a new band or this is going to be a project. It was just, let's just have fun and, and yeah. write. Yeah, 100%. And, and then at what point are you like, you know what, this is like really cool. Let's, you know, move. We should try to grab other people and move forward with this. I think um, that's a good question. I think uh, we maybe had like five songs or six songs as well i think this is a huge part too and this is going to sound so weird but because we self-engineer and produce and like do everything in-house the writing is typically happening as the recording is happening because we have the luxury of like Corey working and basically like running a commercial studio um so it had been like years like it had been years since we had been in a room with like instruments, like writing music as opposed to sitting in front of a studio desk, writing music. Uh, okay. Um, whereas this was very much like, yo, you, you want to just like throw up the drum kit and like <laughs> write songs like a band probably should. Um, and I think that like helps kind of, it helped us understand what energy we like playing. Um, we weren't, able to force anything because you're not like you don't have the luxury of sitting in front of the computer all the time clicking buttons and moving stuff around and chopping stuff up to like get things perfect it's just kind of like all right we're gonna play these three power chords for three and a half minutes and that's just you know where i think if we were younger if i was younger anyways i would have been like oh it's like musically it's not deep enough um but you get to a point where like it's not about that if like this is how we write music this is how we write music you know yeah so do you Um, feel like Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think around that time we're like, hey, like we could do if we could do five more songs in this way where we're just like, sure, the mics are up, but we're kind of just jamming and like working through the ideas like we used to forever ago. Um, I think that maybe we can like put out a record. <laughs> like that was, I think maybe the first instance we thought of that. Um, yeah. And then from there, you know, we had like a SoundCloud link with a premix of these like 10 songs we'd thrown together, maybe like eight songs at the time. And we were just sharing it with the friends and all of them like, are you stupid? Like, why are you not <laughs> releasing this? Like, why do you just have this music sitting collecting dust? Yeah. With, is that the same process you all do now with the, with the band as far as sitting in a room or sitting, you know, at his house and recording and just kind of coming up with stuff together or is, or is it back more to what you were doing um, with the, the previous band? I guess it's circumstantial because of the pandemic, right? Um, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, that, that, like Cause that happens. You, you put out this, music and, in 2019 yeah. and then, okay. So let's get into that. Sorry. Yeah. Moving so I ahead. Think <laughs> so many people are like, Oh man, I'm so excited for the new record. And the four of us are like the new record. Like this is, we started working on this three years ago. Like it's, it's oh old my news gosh. to us. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, like Sonic Bloom. I think I have a demo on my old MacBook from like january 20th 2020 like a long time ago um but that was just kind of like well all right the world shut down like which to us yeah it was kind of like oh this is kind of fun like we can just get back into writing music because i think collectively that's the thing we like doing the most like we love playing shows yeah and touring can be cool but touring can also suck i'm sure i could speak for most people that's like (laughs) super, super grueling so the creative side of it just like writing music together and recording music is is really fun um so Corey spent 
Corey's wife uh, is from Brazil originally, and she was living in Canada. And then during the pandemic, they were living in Brazil for months and months. So it was a lot of me demoing stuff, sending it to Corey, um, him making you know his contributions, just kind of bouncing stuff back and forth. Because primarily the two of us are the ones that kind of write the bulk of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the first day we saw Corey since he came back from Brazil, which I think at that point was like a year into the pandemic. It had been so long. It was like, all right, let's go to the basement. Like let's fire up the studio and <laughs> start getting the ideas out. Um, so it was like a, a little mix, which I think was, was great because it gave us time to, to listen to some demos and think, you know what, this isn't good enough, or this isn't really like what I'm feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as like getting in the room together, having already listened to stuff, kind of pre-demoed to be like, oh, like this doesn't feel right playing <laughs> a song like this, or this mm-hmm. guitar part doesn't quite feel like natural to do live, you know, uh, mm-hmm. let's adjust and let's rewrite. So it's a lot of, it was a mixed bag of doing stuff from home, um, doing stuff like in the studio, doing stuff in the live room, just jamming. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, that must've changed the album quite a bit if you because if it was the first take and you send it over and then Corey does his thing and it comes back and you record it and then it's like, okay, well, that one's done. At least at this point you had obviously the time to sit on the songs, yeah. listen to them a lot more. And then you'd be like, you know what? It would be cool if we went this direction or if we 100%. took this piece out. Yeah. There are a few songs where there's like six different ver- versions of the song. Oh, wow. Really? Um, where things would like, you know, I think Corey too, he's like super pragmatic and he's like the engineer slash like he's going to be mixing the music. So I think he doesn't want to get too ahead of himself committing to like, you know, a cool guitar tone. If he knows it's just going to like bite him in the ass later, not wanting mm-hmm. something. <laughs> so I think we, we tracked originally everything DI, like all the guitars DI um, for the whole record. So that way he thought, you know, I'd have the flexibility of really dialing things in. Yeah. And kind of changing and, whatever amp sounds or whatever yeah. you wanted to do. And I think up like, a couple months into that, he was like, yo, this all sounds like it's missing. Some, it's missing the energy of just like playing in front of an amp or like uh-huh. running it through, you know, the stuff we use live and stuff. So then we tried reamping stuff and it still felt like robotic almost. Um, so then we retract again, like we retract guitars. I feel like maybe six times um, oh, wow. we blew up amps. It like, <laughs> it was the longest process, but <laughs> a lot of that was writing a song um and then kind of stripping things back and adding in elements that were like okay how do we how do we like push the sound forward without straying too much um so we kind of like threw all these like crazy ideas at the songs and then once you know a hundred new things were layered on top we thought okay now what doesn't need to be there what can we peel off and bring it back to like normal band world Mm. because there were some songs that were like there's electronic shit flying everywhere and synth stuff and then we realized like oh pull that back, pull that back. We don't, yeah. you have it all there and you can, yeah, kind of then mute stuff and see what you want. Yeah. To keep and what you want. Yeah. I think we still wanted it to feel like, uh, oh, like a rock record. Like, you know, you can, I, a lot of friends of ours that are doing like super cool stuff. Uh, whether it's like the pop punk stuff, incorporating the synths and the saxophones and all this stuff. But I think for us, if when we were trying to do that stuff, it didn't feel, it just didn't feel like band music. It almost felt like overproduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even like a song like Kill Ear in the music video, you can see like the intro guitar parts are actually like 
samples of us playing the live guitar parts. Cause our whole idea was if we're going to sample stuff and use like electronic elements, it still needs to feel alive. Like it's still got to have a human touch to it. Yeah. Um, so that was our way of kind of going about, you know, placing all these extra things in the record. That's awesome. With, um, with safe to say, were you all doing the same it, like was Corey producing or like were you guys, was it all in-house at that point or is this a new endeavor? Uh, Corey, Corey produced our hiding games EP, which is probably like the batch of songs that like kind of opened every door for us. Uh huh. And he was not part of the band at that time. He was just like, <laughs> some, oh, just, he was just some like, weird guy that we like met through mutual friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he just had so many ideas and he was like able to execute them in a way that was like it was almost impossible to not ask him to be in the band because it's like right. having a secret weapon on your team, right? It's like, oh, we can really do whatever we want if we have a guy like this. And uh-huh. we were a guitarist um, because our current bass player who was playing guitar and safe to say at the time, uh, he like put things on pause to get his, uh, get his degree in university. So it's like, well, Trav's out of the picture right now. safe to say like, Corey, I know you live five hours away, but we kind of only practice when we need to tour anyway. So you want to, Oh, okay so everything since then uh, has been with Corey. but this i think this current record has been the most like 50 50 split between him and i producing mm-hmm. stuff um which has been cool and i think it probably made it more enjoyable for him where like the load is not all in his court yeah wow is this the first time you've really produced a lot on the album as well um yeah in terms of like actually like being in the box yeah like, doing stuff yeah awesome it was that a, that must have been a kind of a cool change of pace, I'd imagine. Yeah, dude. It like I said, it probably made his job easier and made my life easier too. Where you're like, <laughs> you have an idea and you're trying to communicate it to someone, and like, you know, nine times out of ten, it's it's gonna get miscommunicated. And like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was way easier to be like, you know what? I'll just do it, and then I'll send it to you. That's cool. I think there were moments where I'd I'd ask him to do something, and he would just say like, you know, can you just do it yourself. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Um, with that, with that first album, with All Out, was um, that the batch of songs that you had done just the two of you together, or a majority of those, and then kind of added to the band at that point? Um, there were a few that were just the two of us. Um, I'm trying to think which ones. The song, the song, other people. Maybe the last song on the record, at least the bulk of the last song on the record, until maybe two minutes in uh we're just Corey and i but a lot of it were just ideas like a vocal melody or he'd be like hey i wrote this chorus <laughs> but maybe we don't use the singing maybe we just use like the, the guitar lead from it okay um that was primarily a band effort more so than probably anything else we've done which is cool mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think that was a lot of just jamming figuring things out like I said, we it, it was pre-pandemic, right? Where you we could were, actually get yeah, everybody get together, in as opposed to this current album where everyone was stuck all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then with this, the new album, like, are you guys um, like have you because it's been such a long period? I mean, at what time were, or was it once Corey got back and you had time to sit on the record for a while and then retrack everything? Was that when it kind of got solidified as like, this is going to be the album here are the songs and this is what we're going yeah, to do? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. And that's, that's still months after Corey being back and us making multiple 
trips to Ottawa where his studio is to, to just work on a few songs here and there. Uh-huh. The, also okay. the way we track is, I don't know if this is like industry standard now, years ago, it was so not the way to do things, but we do drums dead last. Like we don't touch, we don't record drums at all until the very end of the recording process. Oh, um, I, and I, I don't know anything about like, as far as that goes, I'm just a, a fan, but I, from what I can recall is that you would do drums first. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know who we learned this from. I, maybe it was one of the four year guys or maybe it was this, uh, Oh, you know what? It, there's this guy named Derek, uh, Hoffman from Toronto. Who's like uh, a Juno nominated genius. Junos are like the, Canadian. yeah, the Grammy of, uh, Canada. <laughs> he was in a pop rock band actually when I was going to local shows and he's just the guy now that does everything huge in Canada. Um, he's very much a songwriter first, I think, and then producer second. Mm-hmm. That's how I see his brain working. And I think he was the first person I heard of doing drums last. And the reason for that was, you know, you don't want to have an awesome drum recording and they're so tedious to do like there's you gotta set up your microphones and remember your presets and whatever yeah Uh, i think his idea was what if you come up with an amazing vocal melody and guitar change after you've already committed your drums like you want them to all mesh together and sync yeah then it would screw everything up yeah um as opposed to having like oh we gotta re-mic the drums and (laughs) you know so yeah, adds a couple we, crashes here that yeah. we that would make this sound better. <laughs> we would write, I guess, with an e kit or just putting in our our MIDI stuff. Uh, and there are like a handful of moments on the new record where the vocal would totally inform what everything else is doing. Um, I forget why I'm even talking about <laughs> doing drums last. No, no, I was just curious about like how the album kind of came together. Oh, I yeah. can't remember either, but it uh, it's it's that's interesting. Yeah. So I think knowing you had to go that you guys would do it that way. Yeah. So I think it was making sure everything was sounding good on our end, sending it to, you know, our label to be like, Hey, does this, are we crazy? Have we lost our minds? Does this sound like a record? Yeah. Or drums now, please. Um, Cause that's always like, I think aside from us redoing the guitars a billion times, that's the thing that gives it like the rock band feel, right. It's like having the real drum kit, not having the fake, sample drums in there um and then it was like oh yeah okay this feels like a record finally (laughs) i feel like you work on something long enough it's really easy to just like lose your mind a little bit and kind of second guess like is this actually sick yeah you've been hearing it so many times it's almost like you get like it almost just becomes something that you can't even it's like i've heard other artists that'll say like you know i'll write or something and put it down and then not even like come back to it for like a couple weeks so then yeah it's kind of like a fresh that's a smart thing to do ears on it and be like, Oh, you know, you might not hear the something because you're just so your brain is just trained to like, listen yeah, to it. Wow. totally. Um, that's awesome. Are you doing a tour or anything to support it? I mean, ideally I feel like that would be in our best interest. Probably it's what the label would want. Um, <laughs> but and this is something we've been like super open about. I think with the pandemic almost, consuming like three years of our Uh life you know that's a long time when you're in your late 20s like stuff outside of the band starts snowballing really quickly um 
you know, when we started writing this record, we all had girlfriends. And now three out of four of us have wives. <laughs> and, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, two out of the four of us have mortgages and own houses and like adult life outside the band has kind of caught up with us in a way. Uh-huh. We've been very open about the fact that, you know, we love, we're super proud of this music and we love playing shows, but if we're going to be on the road, it needs to make sense. Cause we have families to support and we have like, we have shit going on. Outside. Yeah. You're not 19 again where you can just no, get in the no. van and play at every, whatever teen center you could find. Well, yeah. And I think like our, at least for myself, you know, your whole identity is wrapped up in a band when you are like a band person as a young 20 something year old, mm-hmm. where that is everything. And when you get almost, uh, I guess a glimpse of having that taken away for a few years and you realize, Oh, like I am more than just, you know, the, the music <laughs> I present to people. I'm like more than this band name that shows up on Instagram every once in a while or plays a show here and there. Uh, that was almost like a, a good thing in a way. Cause it, mm-hmm. it made us have like a deeper appreciation for doing the band. Right. Uh, when you realize it can just kind of go away so quickly. Um, yeah. And that like, if it does go away, you know, be proud and like grateful for you still being able to do it. Like I, Corey always says, you know, I am, I am not a band guy. I'm a guy who plays in a band and it is no longer the priority. It's the cherry on top of like all this amazing stuff we get to do. Yeah. And I specifically, like we, we work full-time like making music essentially like as our careers. And even though it's, not really anything like band related. I feel like we wouldn't have those doors open for us had we not, you know, spent 10 years grinding it out and playing shows and meeting people and making connections and doing all that stuff. So to get to like, you know, have a record that's funded and do shit like that, like that's the coolest shit. Yeah. And especially by a cool label, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's like once you had once everyone kind of had the the touring aspect of it removed and t- or really taken away a hundred percent, it's like you had to kind of adapt or, you know, okay, now what do we do now yeah. that touring is not a piece of this? Like, how do we, you know, make a living? Like, what yeah, what yeah. does that look like moving forward? Yeah. Um, so that was probably something that you guys all had to, you know, obviously you all had to figure out at one point. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. and. You know, I mentioned earlier that went to university wasn't for me, went to college wasn't for me. It was, I'm not going to lie, definitely like panic mode for a good <laughs> yeah, pandemic. I it's like, oh shit, businesses are closed too. Like you can't even get a part-time job in retail because nothing's right. going on. Like, um, I think that really forced myself, I can probably speak for Corey as well, to be like, okay, music is the thing that's proven to be something I can excel at. How do I... <laughs> how do I make this my job? Or like, how, how can I make money doing this? You know, you're, we're not in bands to make money. Like very few friends of ours that are even playing to thousands of people a night are like making money, not right. making substantial money to able, you know, to be able to like buy a house in a place like we live where houses are like cost a million dollars for like a two bedroom bungalow. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, outside of the band that gave us like, a good two year, three year window to like really sharpen our, our toolkits to be like, okay, how do I, how do I profit off this finally? Right. Um, yeah. So Corey, I don't even remember if this is necessarily what you were asking, but, uh, <laughs> Corey more or less just like mixes music for people. Um, 
song rights here and there, but like the bulk of what he does is mixing and he gets so many clients that I think he has employees now. <laughs> that like, wow. That's huge stuff for him. Um, yeah. which is sweet. And I'm sure just like, I could probably say the same thing. I'm sure he gets a handful of projects where he's like banging his head on the wall. Like, oh, I don't want to work on this today. Right. But at the end of the day you look at it like, okay, well I'm getting paid to make music and that's, you know, that's a, yeah, that's the, that's what, yeah. Not a lot of people have that opportunity. Right. I mean, to just be, to be able to still work within the industry and do what you love to do. Like you said, yeah, the band isn't, we didn't start it to make money or even what you're doing, but like once you get, if you're married and you get older, like you have to have a place to live, you have to mm -hmm. feed your family. I mean, these are all like realities, right? It's yeah. not like, you know, like I want to be rich and famous, but, yeah, exactly. but I want to be able to like not starve to death. And we have friends that, you know, are our age or older that are in the same spot as us, but they're in bands that are, have already like, you know, hit a good spot where they can be on tour and bring home, enough to enough. like be the you know the partner bringing in 50 percent of whatever you're, you're trying to do in your household situation uh -huh. um we're very aware that like if we go on tour we're not direct support you know if we are direct support it's like a tour that's you know we might be paying out of pocket on a couple shows because the drives are longer than what we're going to make in merch or right or whatever um yeah so yeah if if we do tour this record um I'm sure it's going to be something the label has in mind where it's got to be like worthwhile. Uh, it's got to be a thing that's not going to make it the last tour we ever do where we, we come home broke and we're like, I can't pay my bills. I'm fucked. Right. Right. Um, like we, we all hate each other now that we had to like deal with this. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, that makes sense. And because it is the cherry on top, like that I think was the most important thing where we don't want it to be an unenjoyable thing. We've spent 10 years doing the band stuff where, yeah, We've, we've been stuck on the road for weeks at a time wishing it was like time to come home. Um, <laughs> don't want that to be the case. We want it to feel like vacation, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you, uh, if, I don't know if you even want to answer this question, but uh, cause I'll cut it out if, if that, but what are you, are you doing uh songwriting production or something within the industry or doing something totally yeah. different? Um, I'm doing a bit of like artist production stuff on the side. Um, the bulk of what I do is actually music for media, like composing for uh, oh rad commercial stuff like that. That's a cool gig. That's it's, really cool. It's the best. It's really awesome. cool. And I was actually this is funny. I get the band thing comes into play because I was uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's like a music director that mm -hmm. essentially works adjacent to ad agencies. You know, you got a big like Apple commercial or Ford commercial or whatever. Uh, they're the one who kind of like guides the project. So I yeah. report to them and she was saying, you know, it almost works to your benefit that you come from the band world because they just see you as like a lot cooler than you are. <laughs> I'm like, Oh man, if they only knew. <laughs> well, yeah, you obviously bring a different perspective and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah a buddy of mine does uh, music supervision for like television shows, cool. but he started on, on yeah. the radio. Like I was on the radio for 15 years before this podcast started doing yeah. anything. Um, because but he's got that perspective of like he could hear a song and know if it is going to work or like he could yeah. find find a hit that maybe will cost you way less than uh you know jimmy world song or whatever if it was for a commercial or something yeah 100 so, yeah, that's cool yeah. that's a kind of i'm sure that's a, a really 
rewarding thing and cool and creative thing that you get to do with that. Right. Um, I, I'm just curious on the, you mentioned Lake Pacific earlier and yeah. you kind of tagged them in your, your uh, Instagram profile. Are you playing with that band or like, what, what is your yeah, involvement? <laughs> so in 2017, when I put STS on hold, uh-huh. uh, when we did Warp Tour, we shared a bandwagon with like Pacific. And like I said, that's a band that was, kind of helping us out when we were yeah when you uh, guys were coming up right um their bass player and then we're parting ways again because he was like getting older and wanted to just like chill have a family buy a house do that thing mm-hmm. um and they kind of just asked hey do you want to fill in on a tour and possibly just join the band just <laughs> <laughs> ask which i was hesitant at first um just because the last year of the sts stuff was like not crazy enjoyable for me it was a little stressful mm-hmm. um, but i said yes because i thought well i'm playing bass like <laughs> i'm not going to have much responsibility here it's not even in my brain it's not my band so you know right <laughs> i do the job but like i don't need to worry about all the little things um and touring with that band has been amazing like it's always been so much fun um i haven't done anything with them really in a year i think half the band hasn't uh again just because adult life has like caught up and during the pandemic two of the other guys like bought houses and now it's like i can't afford to <laughs> can't yeah, afford tour to same situation for the year if yeah. have mortgages to pay um but it's it's great because we just have this like steady rotation of people that can you know cover for us if need be um so yeah i worked on their last record with them and whenever i'm able to i'm playing shows around the road with them uh but just the way the last year has gone where i've I'm in like career mode or locket mode. Yeah. Like the priority. Uh, and they, they understand that. So I usually have like two or three people <laughs> filling in for me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's cool that you got it. Yeah. Do both and mm-hmm. probably get a little bit of that tour piece out of you. If you get a chance to jump on like a shorter run. Exactly. Out. Yeah. And it's nice too, where I feel like STS and locket, I've always been, call like the band captain <laughs> you know i'm kind of like helming the ship yeah um, i'm the one stressing and worrying about like every little thing and the like pacific stuff is nice because i'm even though i'm in that band now I, there's a part of my brain that doesn't ever see it as my band i see it as like jordan black's band i see it as tate Ewart's band like i'm i'm just You're there just to, a part of it yeah you know, i'm just there to show up and and do the job and then it leaves my mind the second we're done playing a show or something important yeah because at this band you're like the quarterback so to speak of like you know organizing yeah. everything and you know songwriting doing everything and then it's like that's probably goals on the other yeah band. the other team you're just they're like you're like put me in coach and then just play and then you're out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool man well i appreciate your time today brad thank you so much for 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 doing this yeah of course man it was, it was nice to chat um, I have one more quick question for you um, before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Any advice? God, where do I begin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Take your time. I'm just saying a quick yeah. question just to say it. Yeah, but... no, I honestly, like, I think starting a band is the coolest thing, most helpful thing you could do. Um, because outside of just making music, like, you're going to make friends. Uh, you're hopefully going to land in a community with people that are, you know, going to be around you for ever. And, you know, I met my wife through friends of going to shows. Like there's just like these little things where I feel like being in a band and putting yourself in, in a scene like that is like one of the coolest things you could do as a musician. 